Hi, everyone, and welcome to Selwyn Avenue's podcast, Faith Lab, where we dig into scripture with authentic conversations. Um, This is Ashley Anderson, Selwyn's seminary intern, and we thank you guys for joining us on your walk, your drive to work, or wherever you may find yourself today. We are continuing along with our sermon series, Walking with Jesus, focusing on the Gospel of Mark. And last week, we focused on the story of Jesus sleeping in the boat. And now we're going to turn our attention um, to Mark 5, 1 through 20, and uh, seeing why it was so important that Jesus needed to get to the other side um, of the waters for this story where um, Jesus frees a, a demonic possessed man. And so I would like to invite Nancy uh, to read our scripture for today. Thank you, Ashley. Again, this is Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gersenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain, for he had often been restrained with shackles and chains. But the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke into pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, He was always howling and bruising himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I am with you, O God. Do not torture me. For he had said, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And then Jesus asked, what was your name? And he answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send out of the country. But now on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirit begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter him. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirit came out and entered the swine. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steel bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what was it that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the demonic sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demonic and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, go home to your friends 
and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Thank you, Nancy. I appreciate that. So this is Lisa. And before we start digging in too much into this great story, and this is a great story in Mark, and um, I think it's important that we make the connection to the stories before it and behind it. Um, you know, Mark's gospel is short and often, you know, as he wrote it, the intention was to read it all in one sitting to see the whole story of Jesus. And as a reminder from last week, uh, when the disciples were on the sea and Jesus calmed the water, the, the churning up water represented chaos. And so it was important to remember that Jesus calmed not just the water, but the chaos, right? And, and that's what one of the things we can take away from that story. And in this story, um, and the two more that follow it that we haven't read, so chapter five in Mark's gospel, uh, Jesus basically provides three different healings. And, and this one we're reading uh, is about this man named Legion, where Jesus calms and uh, the past. He cleans up the whole past of this man's uh, chaos. Um, he heals the many years that he's been inflicted with these demons. And in the story that follows as the story of um, an untouchable woman, and he sort of cleans up and heals and calms the present for her, her present struggle. And uh, the, after that, he raises Jairus's daughter from the dead and calms the future for that family and that child. So it's sort of an all-encompassing recognition of Jesus's power and ability to um, interact and intercede in all things, um, that Jesus is Lord of the chaos and the past and the present and the future, um, and, and we have hope in that. Um, so that's just an important thing to remember about this story, about the uh, legion. Thank you. Margo, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, you know, this story about the past um, also brings in, in this particular character, Legion, um, there are so many issues to talk about in there. Um, mental health, exclusion, um, how we treat those who are afflicted. Um, and Margot, did you have something you wanted to say about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think what we're, what we're seeing in this story, right, is a man that's dealing with demons, right? His demons. And we see Jesus um, heal this man and perform an exorcism. And so what this text really kind of speaks to us about, I think, and it might sound uncomfortable, right? An exorcism that's very not Presbyterian, talking about demons, very not Presbyterian. But yet this story is really important because it forces us to wrestle with our own demons and what we do with them. And this story kind of has two parts. This part where Jesus comes to this man and heals him. And then also this part of the community and how, what the community's done and how the community responds. So we find this man chained um, in, in a cemetery, right? In a place that's unclean, where bodies are decomposing, a place where he's left alone to continue to torture himself. And that alone causes us, because we all have demons, there's no question about that. It causes us to then have a conversation about what do we do with our demons 
Or what do we do with the people in our lives who also have demons that they're wrestling with? Um, do we cast them out to the margins? Do we push it under the rug? Do we pass blame on to others? How are we dealing with that? Margot, uh, this is Lori. Thank you for framing that for us. I think uh, by virtue of this text, our demons and the way we engage those people who we care about or don't care about who also are wrestling with their own demons are, are deeply related. That uh, actually the community surrounding this man who had been abandoned and shackled uh, in a cemetery or a, a, you know, amongst the tombs are more comfortable with him staying out there um, so that they don't have to be inconvenienced or um, made to feel uncomfortable um, by him. And also so that they don't really have to pay attention to their, their own demons. It's much easier for them to think about how terrible and awful he is. Maybe they bring him up some, some, some sandwiches on Saturday, uh, but they certainly don't engage him uh, the rest of the week or do anything transformative to bring him back into the fold. And so we all have demons and the dance between um, Jesus going to meet this man am amongst the tombs and the way the community surrounding uh, that place um, respond really calls us to task in terms of what it means to be people of faith. Okay, I got to interrupt here because as the person who sort of um, thinks about mission in our congregation and how we interact with our neighbors, I can't help but um, invite us to think about not just our loved ones and people we know in our lives that may be afflicted, but also our neighbors, right? And um, making sure we think about um, are we just dropping off sandwiches and want them out of sight and out of mind the rest of the week, right? Um, you know, I, I love that you use that phrase, Lori, because we have been making a bunch of sandwiches and dropping them off, right? Um, but how are we as, you know, followers of Jesus and people of faith, how are we maybe trying to be deeper in relationship and healing some of the problems that cause our neighbors to be afflicted and on the margins and outside. And, um, and as people of faith, what do we, what do we do with that more than just dropping off sandwiches? Well, pay attention to the text, Lisa, because he's broken free from the shackles. Like, you know, he's uncontrollable at this point, which, which is the time when, when people like us might like change the locks on our doors or, you know, pay attention to, well, where's he, will he show up at my, we don't really want him showing up at our house, do we? You know, and so this is the story we live and I, I think he's so dangerous and so uh, so isolated as a result of his mental illness or um, whatever it is that he's afflicted with that nobody but Jesus could go and save him. And so at what lengths will Jesus go in order to find us in our darkest places uh, shackled in in really fighting or wrestling with our own demons. 
Lori, I'm glad you brought that up. This is Ashley um, about the lengths that Jesus will go to. And as we wrestle with our own demons um, and the notions of that society places on others, you know, do we at times in this story, we see that society has placed him among the tombs. Um, you know, at what points do we, do we find ourselves in that darkness? And at what points do we place others um, in that same darkness? And it just reminds me of how we are called to be a witness to what God is doing um, in that invitation to respond um, more so. Oh, this is tough. Um, you know, do we, we do, do we turn away because of our own discomfort and our beliefs? Um, or do we go and tell the good news? Like we see the, the two sides of the community doing the herdsmen left um, to, to kind of say, well, this is what Jesus did in, in somewhat of like a frightful manner. Um, and then the man said, no, Jesus, I want to follow you. I, I want to come with you. And he's like, and Jesus says, no, I need you here. I need you to go and be in these places and, and spread and spread the good news. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is Nancy piggybacking on what you're saying, Ashley. I mean, that is um, part of, I mean, that's, that's our role. And then also there's a part in there that talks about that, the townspeople are afraid and they ask Jesus to leave and we can do that as well. We can get, um, I don't know, overwhelmed or, or, or like what Lisa said, when we realize what we're supposed to do, we don't want to do it. Yeah. I think it's also just, um, as disciples, it's our job to remind people that Jesus goes at any length that Jesus gets in the boat and goes through the storm and goes to the forbidden place and gets out of the boat, goes to the cemetery, goes to the man who's chained and naked and torturing himself. Um, Jesus knows no bounds. Jesus goes everywhere. And I think as disciples and um, as Christians, it's our job to, to just speak that to people. So often we forget it, I think. Take, take note, you guys, that the man out, in the tombs, didn't ask for help, didn't profess faith for Jesus, didn't um, didn't do anything for himself to make himself, didn't pull himself up by his bootstraps. Uh, he had been given up on and Jesus showed up and only after, only after Jesus saved him, only after Jesus healed him, that's when the man names his demons. That's when he says, we're legion. You know, his mama didn't give him the name legion, I guarantee you. Like he's naming what had hold of him. And that's exactly what happens for people. If, if you've been to AA or if you've been to Al-Anon, you know the first thing that, that people do is they say, hello, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic or I'm married to an alcoholic or, or whatever the case may be. So saying their name without shame uh, and claiming um, their authentic courage as they address and deal with their afflictions and their disease state comes after they've been shown grace, you know, after 
um, they've come to terms with the power of who God is or their sources in that case. It, and I'll say that I've also um, been mindful that 11 months of a pandemic has made that work very hard for so many people that I know and love. And that our role as people of faith is to have compassion and to seek them out for company and support. Lori, thank you for wording that so beautifully. Um, and I think, like you mentioned, just being in the pandemic, I'm just reminding like friends, like just check on your people, um, you know, check in with them. This has been really hard for um, a number of reasons, but that one thing I've, I've just noticed being in this, <laughs> this line of work um, is the privilege we get to have with sitting with those individuals as they wrestle with their demons. Um, as folks have sat with me um, I've, as I've wrestled with my own. Um, but that space that we can hold each other in tension and, and um, yes, it, it'll, it, the work sometimes feels uncomfortable um, and challenges us, but like you said, the, the grace and the love of God that is present in those situations is such a beautiful thing to witness. This is Lisa. I think you're right, um, Ashley. And, you know, one of the things about this story, it will, in general, is it reminds us that we're all fragile, right? Whether it's, um, you know, a pandemic or addiction or mental health, you know, I mean, you might be okay today, but you don't know what tomorrow holds and you don't know where, you know, other people have come from. And, you know, this story and the, the ones before it and after it remind us that God doesn't just create the world and send it out on its own, right? That, that God is continually interacting with the world. Um, and, and Jesus demonstrates that with the boat and the past and the present and the future. And one of the ways often that, that God works in the world is with each other, right? And so picking up the phone and calling to check on your people or calling somebody to say, hey, I'm struggling, can we talk? Um, encouraging someone to, you know, driving someone to an AA meeting or helping them connect with one. These are the ways in which God does interact with the world. We are um, the hands and feet of Christ for each other in this world. I'll say one more thing about that, Lisa. You know what the cost of his, of his health and well-being was in this story? It, it cost 600 pigs or, or how many thousands of Two thousand pigs. pigs. Yeah, that's a lot of bacon. That, that is a, a huge financial impact on the community, and to me, it points to uh, what it means to invest in the well-being of the people in our community, whether it's those experiencing homelessness or hunger or mental health crises of some sort. And we don't do a very good job of funding our mental health facilities in our country. And uh, I know that to be true also uh, in our city, in our region. Uh, but it does point to an actual cost on behalf of the community. I just want to mention that briefly, not to get us too off track. 
Well, that's absolutely true. and something that we need to focus on um, together as a community. I was also thinking when Lisa was talking, this is Nancy, how, um, <clears throat> how awesome it is that our Savior is um, full of the power to exercise these demons and um, how, how fortunate we are. Yeah, I mean, as we think about going back out into the world from this podcast, there's there's nowhere too dark, like there's no sin too evil, there's no uh, illness or um, depression that's that's too great or too severe that Jesus, that the power of God in Jesus Christ uh, cannot overcome. And I wasn't sure where our conversation would go today, but if I were to invite people who are listening to think about this passage uh, and how it impacts your own life, I would ask you to consider um, how you're connecting with people in your life to, to be stable and healthy during these weeks and months of the pandemic and who in your life might need you to go find them. And maybe, maybe it's someone that's on the other side of your life that you normally would never get into a boat and cross a sea for. Or maybe it's someone in your own family who you're estranged from. But that's, that's what I'm going to be thinking about um, between now and Sunday. I'd love to close us in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you so much for this community of faith. We thank you for the opportunity to come together to study, to look at your word, and to find the ways that it's creeping into our lives. God, on this, um, on this day, we particularly pray for those who are struggling with their own demons and for those who are struggling to understand how to help or how they can best reach out to others in their struggles. God, we're so grateful for you and for the ways that you get in boats and travel through storms and find us and meet us where we are. We ask that you would go out and find all our members and meet them where they are and remind them that they're loved and that they're known, and that there's nothing that they can do to separate them um, themselves from your love. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Can't wait to see you all on Sunday in worship. Have a great week.